Hello, and welcome to AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. I'm your host, John S. In today's episode, we'll speak with Larry Kay from the We Agnostics Group in Toronto, Ontario. Larry recently settled a case brought before the Ontario Human Rights Tribunal, a case against the Greater Toronto Area Intergroup, for delisting agnostic AA groups from the meeting directory in Toronto. The settlement was a success for the agnostic groups. They're back on the list. A victory for Alcoholics Anonymous and a victory for widening the gateway to recovery for all, regardless of their belief or lack of belief. Larry, thank you very much for joining us here on AA Beyond Belief. Well, you're welcome. I'm, I'm really delighted that uh, we could get together today. Yeah, this is uh, what, I, what I consider happened with the settlement of the um, Ontario Human Rights Tribunal <clears throat> case. I consider that a historic moment in the in Alcoholics Anonymous, and particularly for us um, secular people in AA. And I think it'll be nice to have this documented for history. <laughs> well, that would probably be a good thing to have some sort of a reference about what's happened. Yeah, uh, it's 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 certainly been good news for for many of us, and um, and I think for all of us, really, in the in the big picture of things. I think so. I think it's good for AA overall. Let's start from the very beginning. Let's start from uh, the creation of the agnostic groups in Toronto. Okay. And uh, how, how long were you guys meeting before there was a problem? And, and how did things go when you were first starting out? Well, things were going quite well. We probably met for uh, pretty much a year um, before things sort of went, you know, we'll call run amok. Um, part of that time, though, was just a small clutch of us. Uh, getting together to try to figure out the, the meeting, um, and the 12, the, you know, the, an alternative version of the 12 steps and, um, among other things, and then waiting for, a, a room to come available. I don't remember exactly when we began the, the early part of that process, but it certainly was before our first meeting. So when you guys um, were starting out, you immediately, um, had the idea of coming up with an alternative version of the 12 steps. Well, it wasn't really, coming up with a new idea to do that. I mean, quite frankly, I had, uh, when I came into recovery in the early 90s, I right off the, the get-go had a copy of um, of an alternative 12 steps that had been, uh, been used in the Chicago area for many, many years. Oh, really? So it, it, there was nothing new about it. Okay. It was just a question of coming up with something that worked for us that we were comfortable with. And, you know, the reality is most of us, uh, if we were to have a, a meeting and we would discuss the 12 steps even today, uh, the alternative ones, we would still have troubles with agreeing with what's been said. I mean, there's concepts that just doesn't matter what you say, we're, we're, we're not going to agree with it. Self-will or and following others' will or giving will up right. is, is a concept that, that is very difficult for, for most people to, to have. Right. Well, mostly because I don't think it can actually be done. Yeah. 
you can't give up your will. So no, you're right. And I, I can also understand how it would be really difficult for a group to, to come up with an agreed upon, you know, s- steps. I mean, they had a hard time with it in the, ver- in the very beginning, but you guys oh, did. Sure. So you, you started meeting. And so from your first meeting, you had this, um, the alternative steps that you were reading at your meetings. Well, we were working on them. Yeah. Well, from the first, uh, from our first meeting at Beyond Belief in September, uh, we had, we had an alternative, uh, plan that we talked about that, and we credited to the fact that it was amended from the original 12 steps. Yep. Um, you know, it was an, it was an accommodated language is what we were doing. We were accommodating ourselves, um, because the other languages for, for the most part, uh, is is not really acceptable to some people in certain circumstances. You're right. It's not. In fact, um, that that is uh, one of the most common questions that we get from a newcomer, somebody who's been in AA, who's not a believer, and they'll come to our group and they say, how do you work these steps? And even newcomers who, who have never had any experience with AA who are non-believers, they look at the steps with God written all over them, and it's hard if you haven't had some experience to figure out how to interpret those things. Oh yeah. And it's worse if you have a negative experience. So, which I think a lot of us do. Um, So using that, you know, using the original language is extremely difficult and um, you do need to have a way of understanding it. It's like translating it into another language. Mm -hmm. You have to have it, uh, put into a form of reference that is effective for you. Yeah. And, and then sometimes you have to just discard the whole thing yep. as a concept. Um, and that's okay too. I, I mean, I've known an awful lot of people in the program over the years and, uh, nobody works them in the, in the, in the, in, in a, in the same order. They don't work them right. in the same way. They don't have the same understanding. I mean, if you, if you go into a traditional meeting that is a step meeting, John, and I'm sure you've done this many times mm-hmm. uh, in a step meeting, everybody goes around and they discuss what this step means to them. You know, this is exactly the same process that we went through um, and have to go through. We have to articulate it in that meeting what that meaning is for us. And we share that with others so that others can get an idea of, of things. Uh, it's not about indoctrination. It's about it's about grabbing it and understanding it for you. And it has to come out that way, as opposed to exactly as written, because it has to have meaning for self, and and so it has to come out of your own own lips, and and it has to be said in a sincere way so that you can understand it. And I, I think if we listen to what we say in those meetings, we get a better understanding of what it is that that we're reading and looking at for ourselves. For ourselves and only for ourselves, not about for anybody else. Right. Yeah, that's um, it is kind of a unique individual experience how we how we choose to um, interpret the program. And, and that's that's the one amazing thing about AA is a lot, of, a lot of people outside of that program don't realize that so much attention is given to individual liberty in AA. It's not a top down hierarchy where you must follow these precepts and do these things exactly as so. But the individual is given total freedom and the groups are really the ones in charge of how they choose to carry the message to the newcomer. Right. No, absolutely. That's that's the way it's uh, set up and always has been. Yep. You know, two and, more, two or more unaffiliated, uh, the no no requirement for conformity and complete complete autonomy. 
Yep. And, you know, if, and you if I are, don't like it, and if I don't like it, John, I'm getting myself a new coffee pot and starting that's right. another meeting. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And I think <laughs> about how many that times has that been done? Eleven thousand times. And if you're going to be a special purpose group for agnostics and atheists, and these are the people that are going to come to your meetings, then it makes sense that you're going to have you're going to help them interpret those steps. So how long, Larry? And I know the story from Roger that. The understanding with, with the um, Greater Toronto Area in a group was that you could read these steps, provided that there be some sort of a disclaimer or notice that these are not the original steps, but an adaption or interpretation of. Um, and how long did you guys do that? Well, I don't remember that that was ever there at all in the original part. Oh. Um, as a matter of fact, no, that wasn't a requirement. That was something that we chose to do on our own. Ah. Um in terms of just acknowledging that they were, uh, you know, adopted from. Gotcha. Um, so, and that was in the first meeting. That was beyond belief. We agnostics didn't do it at all. We do, we don't. Uh, we have it. We use the quad A version off the internet mm-hmm. uh, from from a million years ago. Wow. I had no idea um, that Quad was, A did that. There was no, well, it was just, it was in an old email. I've had email a long time. So, I mean, I just mm-hmm. happened to, you know, been able to pull that out of an old uh, um, alt dot recovery group. Uh, yeah. Back in the, in the days of, uh, you know, those kinds of mail, mail, email groups and things like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we didn't do ours the same at all. They did. There's no requirement to, to say that. I mean, the only thing that happened with, with, uh, this case is that, uh, is that we have to make a decision and it, we're, we're quite unique. It's only in the Toronto area, great, greater Toronto area. Uh, and it's a, it's a requirement on their website form for when you're filling out the, uh, your membership because they, you do it yourself. Uh, you either have to acknowledge or adopt and it, and it's just either one or the other. And um, that's what we do, and uh, and that's all we have to do. And that was I mean, a result could, of the I settlement. Could change, I could change. I could change the steps tomorrow if we had a business meeting. Sure. You know, just to change the wording around because somebody's feeling, you know, uncomfortable with the language, and there's still language that we say that's uncomfortable. Form that's on their website now, where you accept or adopt, was that as a result of the settlement? Um. That's a very good question. You know, I don't actually know the answer to that question. That would be an internal uh, internet mm-hmm. uh, thing. When we went into mediation, um, those the wording that is on the website was provided to us as part of our. Is this going to be okay? And mm-hmm. uh, you know, this uh, they had, they had pulled some information from the from from the, the quad A's in Chicago, I think because they had a fairly substantial site, they had some, some wording and they'd worked it around a little bit And it, but it was certainly different than what the requirement was in their operations uh, and guidelines. Yeah. Their procedures and guidelines document. And that was the change because that was not acceptable. So how long were these groups meeting Larry before it became an issue? Well, we were beyond belief for at least two years or coming up to two years and uh, we agnostics coming up to its first year. And then in May, something happened. I think we had heard maybe a, a month or so before that, that letters had been written to New York mm. um, by one of the local groups. And um, and the reply had come back that, uh, that they were being advised that they should just take their own inventory. Really? And um, the problem is they, some people may have, you know, taken that advice to heart, but some didn't. And, um, 
word went up the up the street to other groups and uh there's sort of a rallying cry that we wanted to get rid of these uh, people mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And they did. And they put a motion on the floor we learned about it and we showed up the first time um, I showed up at an intergroup uh, meeting as a representative uh, was, of course, the last time that I showed up <laughs> at the intergroup and was allowed to show up at intergroup. Wow. So there was the, the, they just they voted to to not just delist the groups, not just to remove the groups from the meeting directory, but to um, push the groups out of the intergroup altogether, saying that you are no longer part of the Greater Toronto Area Intergroup of Alcoholics Anonymous, and you have no, no. voice here. No, that's not quite true. Okay. They voted to delist us. Okay. Um, there was an attempt in the meeting to change the wording of the motion uh, to not include my group, it was denied by the the director. Um, they couldn't change that motion. If they did, they would have to come back another month, and and it was an emergency because they had to get the new list to the to the printers because mm-hmm. they were out of books. So there was a this false urgency of um, of uh, we've got to make a decision now. It's got to be what it what is there. We can't change it. You see, my group did not have a web page. Okay, and so. We were lumped into the motion mm-hmm. along with Beyond Belief. Beyond Belief had um, had a web page on. They had gotten permission from the board, right. the directors at Intergroup, to put up this page that had their alternative steps. Um, and that was fine. That offended a lot of people, apparently. That mm-hmm. was all part of this. But we were never asked to take it down or to amend it or to change it. Um, they just voted to delist us. Now... That's the delisting that passes, though it was tight. There was, if you add the, those that would, I'm going to say, uh, correctly abstain because you should not have an opinion on this issue. Um, and those that opposed to the motion was, were equal to the numbers that, uh, wanted to, uh, to kick us out. Now, that was in terms of delisting. What happens behind the scenes is after the meeting closes. The board of directors removes us from the database and then takes the position that we are no longer eligible to speak on the floor. So they, they took away the membership afterwards and they refused us entry into meetings. Gosh. I was certainly, I was not permitted to, uh, to talk on the floor when we, I wasn't allowed to even go in the room, uh, when they were having their big debate about, uh, relisting us. You so know, I couldn't even, we couldn't, I couldn't even put a, a case forward. Our friend, our friend, uh, John M was, was the only voice that we had. On a, on an emotional level, I mean, I know that Toronto is, is, is much, 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 much bigger than Kansas City, but the AA community in Kansas City, I just, I just feel like I know everybody, that it's almost like family, and it would be hard to imagine going to our inner group and being told that we're not welcome. Do you have that same sort of community feeling there in Toronto within Alcoholics Anonymous? And, and, and on an emotional level, what was it like to go to have this issue with your inner group? Well, I did have that that connection. I certainly knew probably half of the people in the room um, had seen them around or, or knew them personally. Um, it was extremely difficult. Um, I don't know if you've ever been shunned in a formal way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're conscious of the shunning and the reasons for the shunning, it is an, it is an extremely profoundly painful experience. 
Um, it is very difficult, and I've been through these kinds of uh, experiences in my life before, and that's one of the reasons why I got engaged in the, uh, in, in, uh, was willing to, to, uh, pursue this all the way down the line. Mm-hmm. I mean, I gave a lot of room, a lot of margin, because I didn't want to go there. Right. But, um, you know, I, at, at, I was never going to acquiesce. That is not something I was ever going to do. I know what that's like to do, and it's not, it's not an acceptable thing here. No. It, it it is a it it would be a an, an enormously painful thing and there's actually you know there's still intergroups at least in the United States and I believe in Van, in Canada that that still don't list groups isn't that right in can oh that's it, right yeah I that's hear still happening Vancouver. yeah yeah um anyway going back to the delisting there were weren't there three groups that were delisted well there were two groups delisted. And then there was a, a relisting motion and a debate about six months later because they have these six-month rules and intergroup to sort of uh, slow the arguments down, right? Um, and and just you know, it's it's an artificial break. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, there was a second motion to remove um, to remove this new group that had started or to delist them. Um, and they sent out the AA police, right? Know, and uh, you know, there's a sort of an an assurance was put on the floor uh, a week or so ago that you know AA doesn't have police. No, but intergroup does. Right. No, <laughs> you know. they do check on groups. It, it, well, they are a different organization. They're not a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. They right. think they are, but they're not. And they're not. So they operate differently, and it it's, it causes some 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 grief because people don't understand that there's some fundamental responsibilities that are different. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, intergroups are set up by the groups. They're outside of the service structure of Alcoholics Anonymous. Right. But they still sort of, in a in a way, they still work with AA World Services and GSO. They I mean, absolutely do. Mm-hmm. And they have a, they have an operations and, and procedures guideline. Like they have there's 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 a contract there between them. Mm-hmm. And an understanding there is a connection, but they are uh, separate in terms of of the other side of it. They, they are have some responsibility, but they are separate. Right. And this this was part of the this was part of the case in the hearing in the preliminary stages. Yep. Now the original the the actual reason for removing the groups was it because of having the steps read at the meetings or having the steps posted on the website? And only one of the groups had a website. Yeah. W- what uh, was the answer, the answer to the question is, um, it was one of the above, only one of the above, and then all of the above. Mm-hmm. Um, they, there was never anything unrelenting about my group, even though my group would, you know, it was just because of its name. Right. Because we hadn't, we hadn't distributed anything to anybody. We hadn't, we'd only had our own meetings with, you know, our own members. Nobody had come to visit us. Right. Uh, we weren't putting anything on a website. Right. Um, so we were just delisted because we were, you know, guilt by association. Right. And um, and Bob's your uncle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the and other group got delisted because they were policed uh, directly. Ours was policed afterwards. Was that the Richmond Hill ours group? The, yeah, the Richmond Hill group. Mm-hmm. Um, and ours ours was policed as well by the same by the same characters. And... Uh, and of course, uh, quite rude while they were 
in the meeting. Right. Um, it was but, only uh, beyond belief that actually had steps written and that and read at the meetings. That I know that Richmond Hill did not read those steps in their meetings, and I guess your group didn't either. Well, we did. We. No, we we had our own alternative version. It was a you know, like I said, this old okay, version. That's right. And and yeah, so what? Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. The, the the thing that drew the fire was the fact that they uh, they had posted it on the website. I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's so been this there's this big red herring that we were trying to change the steps. We're not trying to change the steps. We have never been trying to change right. the steps. What we've been trying to do is to accommodate the steps in such a way that individuals can understand them. Yep. And it's no, you know, we don't want to change it. It's not, no. not going to affect any other group in all of AA. It doesn't. It only affects my group, and it's our way, and we've agreed to it. And if we don't like it, we'll, we'll opt to adjust it again. Yeah. You know, we're just trying to keep the, you know, alcoholics so that they have an opportunity to get sober. Yep. So how did the... um suit come about? What made you decide to go this route? And did you try any other remedies first? Oh, I t- tried lots of remedies um, prior. Well, first of all, in the first meeting that we had, uh, the first vote, um, the the internet, or sorry, the intergroup rep from Beyond Belief was also there. And there were several others that we made presentations as we were allowed, and which is appropriate. Um, it was brought to the attention of, of intergroup that this was potentially a human rights violation to discriminate on the, on the grounds of, of, uh, creed. Right. And that caused, uh, a horrible backlash in that meeting with, uh, cat calls and, and booze and chants and, yeah, it was, it was, it was a horrendous thing, but it was really, it was required to point that out. Sure. So, at least before the vote occurred, they were aware that there was this potential risk. Right. Um, I've never wanted to go down this this path, but I did try calling and right. writing emails and staying in contact. And they, I had one phone call back a couple of months later um, because we'd been cut out of a meeting. Um, the other rep was allowed to represent the groups, but they would not speak with me directly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why she, it's not a person that I knew, um, but did not want to speak with me and would only speak with the other person. Um, totally insulting to, yeah. uh, for, for, for our group. Um, but I did finally get a phone call and I, and I, and I stated what needed to be stated is that it's against the law to do that. You just put us back. That's it. And then I started doing some other things and staying on top. I spoke with my cousin. Uh, who is a, a labor lawyer out in the East Coast, and uh, she was in town in Toronto going up to the cottage. And so we had a little meeting together, and she uh, told me that I just have to document absolutely everything and start writing and establish, you know, this kind of pressure and questioning and, and just dog them, you know, mm-hmm. in a sense. And that's what I did. And hopefully trying to get them to to have some, let's say, some, some extra... Uh, eyeballs look on it. Uh, there were some pretty serious things that were a muck in the minutes, and and with some other things. And I documented that, and I and sent sent off emails about that. Some registered letters. Mm-hmm. Uh, requested accommodation. Finally, I couldn't get them to hire a lawyer. Yeah, to go and look at that, they would not hire a lawyer. Now yeah. there there's so many members 
in AA that are lawyers that, that could have done something, but they really needed an arm's length lawyer. Mm -hmm. Somebody who isn't wrapped up in the, mm -hmm. in the dogma and the mm -hmm. dogmatic parts of the program who can see clearly. Mm -hmm. Uh, but they wouldn't do that. And it just, it went on. Then I had, I got a, I finally got a response from, uh, my, my request to, uh, uh, for accommodation. And that sort of took me for a loop where they pointed the finger directly at New York and mm. said that this is all a part of the, you know, the core tenets of, a, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous and we cannot accommodate you on those reasons. So Isn't that they basically took the religious stance at that point. And they, they, did they, did you contact New York GSO? Yes, okay. What happened with that? Well, before this happens, um, Sadly, I have a heart attack shortly after getting that letter, and I needed to take some downtime mm -hmm. and um, and recover, um, which I did. Mm -hmm. Other people were on the case anyway. I mean, you know, keeping the pressure up. Um, but I had to get over that, and then I then I got back into uh, into it again, and uh, eventually, I followed up with that letter and sent a, a letter of a, requesting accommodation off to New York. Uh, which was never responded to. I don't know if that was, you know, they get a lot of letters. They get yeah. a lot of stuff in. Uh, things could have gotten lost. Who knows? I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt in my mind. You That's know? kind of you because I really, they're pretty professional over there. And I'm pretty sure they saw that letter. Okay. But I'm just guessing. <laughs> anyway, it was sent. It was registered. It was, you know, because mm -hmm. that's the appropriate way of doing things. And it didn't get responded to. And the letter basically said, look at this group seems to think you need to change your tenets to accommodate the Human Rights Code in Ontario. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, except right. that really that's what was being said um, by the other party. Um, I think they recognized it was violating it, but they said they couldn't because it was New York's responsibility. Mm -hmm. Well, it's it entirely, it's totally a straw man kind of an argument. It, it's um, in, I think in legal terms, I was, it's sort of ultra virus. Like they were trying to enforce something that is only enforceable by the other, uh, organization. Well, you can't do that. And, um, you know, it's passing this buck line. Anyway, it, but it caught me up because, you know, I had, now I have to deal with New York. And mm -hmm. this is not, they, they haven't, they haven't done anything. Mm -mm. You know, their, their stuff's pretty clear. They've got these, you know, very, very solid traditions mm -hmm. when applied properly. Uh, everything's good to go. Right. It's only it's only when you don't apply them, and this was now problematic. Anyway, we um, we just continued down the merry way. We had there was a change, of course, a couple of times of of uh, who the directors were, and which was a hopeful thing always. That you're hoping that the mm -hmm. next director and the next board would would be uh, more accommodating. Uh, and indeed, we had, a, a, I think, a, a softening with one of the directors, and he started, we were having conversations, he came to our meetings, we talked to him, and he did try to accommodate us. Um, he put our names finally into the binders at uh, uh, at 234, uh, which is the, the number, that the street number, which mm -hmm. is referred to as the office, um, where the phone bank is and all of that stuff. And... Um, just like NA is and CA is and Al-Anon is and ACA is and OA is and all of these other um, treatment, helpful 
you know, contact numbers. And so our groups were, were put in, into those binders as, uh, at, you know, uh, for extra. Well, and that was fine until they were then ripped out and pulled out. And, wow. uh, you know, so we didn't even have the standing of a, of a treatment center or a hospital or, or anything like that or Al-Anon. We right. Just, uh, and, uh, that was a problem, problem. And, uh, he, he told us about this, that it was pulled out. Mm-hmm. He didn't, he didn't pull it out. Somebody else did. Um, getting back to GSO a little bit, um, I, I know th- this part of the story. I, and I've read it on AA Agnostic, I believe, um, that the intergroup was originally given kind of like a, a, a an okay or go ahead to delist the groups from um, an employee at GSO, Mary Claire, right? Didn't she say, or somebody at GSO said, yeah, throw them out? Yeah, there, well, <laughs> no, no, the, no, it doesn't work quite that way. First of all, somebody had written a letter originally saying, um, you, you don't take another group's inventory. Right. Okay, that was right. the first letter. That was the very first thing. So you guys take then your own was, inventory. Then there was some kind of a consultation uh, to Mary Claire, and she uh, sent back a letter saying, we don't we don't endorse anybody changing the steps. Well, right. she, she backtracked that and corrected it. Right. Um, but they had published her letter in the, in the, in the local, you know, newsletter that we had that went out to everybody. Okay. And so that was before the vote. So that damaged in the re, this was in the relisting. Okay. That really damaged everything. Right. And then she sent a retraction, but they would not publish that. Gotcha. Um, okay. So she, they did, they did later, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't with enough time and. Right. Because GSO will normally say, at least like when I when I was talking to my area delegate about the situation in Toronto, and he he says, "Listen, as as you and I just said, the intergroups are totally separate from the service structure. There's nothing that GSO can do per se to make a a uh, intergroup fall in line. But what was happening in this case, if I understand you right, Larry, is the intergroup was actually trying to pass the buck to GSO, saying, "Hey, we're just doing what these the guidelines say to do." Is that what well, they, s- they were in trying to get? They were they were trying to get GSO to endorse a different a different position than they hold. Okay, um, and and inadvertently sort of got that uh, accidentally. Okay, um, so what what I have seen? I mean, it was certainly available in the in the uh, the the whole course of things. I've seen a typical letter addressing this issue from from uh, New York. And what they do in their letters, as a general rule, when they have these kinds of, of, of crises or issues and they're dealing with intergroups or central offices, is they just communicate their experience. They don't put a judgment on it at all. It's right. just, you know, this is what we know has happened in the past. This is what other groups have, you know, done right. in the past. And right. This, this or that or this. And, and that's fine unless the, you know, the the action that's taken is is something that's you know illegal or unlawful or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and that was the case in, um, you know, in our situation. So, so when you filed the complaint, um, it was filed against the Greater Toronto Area Inner Group and also to AA World Services and the and GSO, or was it just AA World Services? And okay, well, well, I'll I'll, I'll correct the, how that works. Okay. I was telling that story um, originally about having that stuff taken out of the 
out of the binders. Mm-hmm. The next thing that happened when I, when having a conversation in, in June was that um, we were going to have a motion on the floor. This was the time when the uh, uh, the new pamphlet had come out, Many Paths to Spirituality. Oh, okay. And because that had finally been passed, um, it was promising. It happened in the spring. We were hoping with the, the release of that uh, pamphlet that that would coincide with a motion to relist. Mm-hmm. And I was promised that that would happen. That did not happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I gave them 90 days of time. And then I had to file. Now, the rules of filing these applications is a little bit... Remember, I'm not a lawyer, so mm-hmm. I go digging into all of the background stuff about about filing these things, and it's available online and, and in, you know, doing research. And the thing is that you have to hit the, the, the common denominator, the highest common denominator when you're serving uh, an action. And uh, so it was hard to figure out this cluster of, of participants. AA World Services uh, holds property in Canada, but they don't make decisions. Um, the General Service Board makes decisions and owns AA World Services. Toronto Intergroup causes the problem but defers all of the responsibility to the 12 steps, the 12 traditions, mm-hmm. the 12 concepts, which is all owned by a world services, mm-hmm. but under the you know control of the general service board. Anyway, the owner, the the highest common denominator is a world services, mm-hmm. and so I I because that's the name of this organization uh, is Toronto Intergroup uh, of Alcoholics Anonymous, and that's how it's registered on the CRA website, which is the charitable thing, and that's only Alcoholics Anonymous can own that name. So I'm going, I don't, hmm. I don't know, maybe they're actually owned by AA World Services because certainly you're not allowed to have that name. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's quite clear in the guidelines. So I filed them and I put that in. I was probably angry at the time I submitted it and, and was rushing a little bit faster that the conference in, in Santa Monica was coming up. I wanted to go and I I finally made a decision that I couldn't because I was going to be serving papers. Mm-hmm. I think I was a little angry. Um, so I just put their name in there. Mm-hmm. And then I think a couple of weeks later, I made a motion to add the other two parties, mm-hmm. um, which delayed some of this mm-hmm. uh, process because that, that caused the preliminary hearing to be the way it was. And, and that's when people started uh, arguing who's in line and who's responsible and who's in what jurisdiction and so on and so forth. And you were acting as your own attorney? Yes. That's pretty amazing. Well, not an attorney. I was just acting as, as a person. Yeah. yeah. Just myself. As a citizen. There yeah. are, there are, there are self, um, represented, uh, cases in, in, in the tribunal system. Okay. It's designed so that when certain things go wrong, that can happen. Oh, okay. Um, and they do make accommodation to those of us who are not, but it does get a little bit tricky at a certain point when, when, when putting forward evidence, I do not have the authority that a lawyer does. So, and I don't have the, the expertise, expertise to mm-hmm. do that properly. Mm-hmm. And the judges will, you know, or the adjudicator is well aware of that. And mm-hmm. there's things that they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, to accommodate, it just makes the the process look a little different. Okay, you know, so that's the uh, and you know and the rules of cross examining people, things mm-hmm. like that. So when you filed the complaint, the am I correct that the initial defense 
of the intergroup was that to to be a member of the Greater Toronto Area Intergroup of Alcoholics Anonymous, you must believe in God and practice the 12 steps as written? Well, let's get to the, there's two parts to that. Okay. The first defense that, that came forward didn't exist. They missed their deadlines. They were not legally allowed to sub, to submit or okay. provide a defense at all because you have to you have to provide responses in a timely fashion and you're given a great deal of time to do that mm-hmm. and they they missed their deadlines mm-hmm. so in the first hearing um towards my application they were not allowed to provide any kind of a defense whatsoever um they did have argument over uh because Phyllis had shown up and testified um they did have an argument over whether or not they were a part of the general service structure they mm-hmm. really felt they were a part of the of the of the service structure and uh in her testimony uh that was submitted uh they were clearly not a mm-hmm. member of the of AA and so this became an uh, you know an argument between the two lawyers that were there mm-hmm. um and it got a little bit rough it was interesting to watch. Yeah, I um, bet. Because that really was their only line, was the, the fact that they were acting on, on AA's behalf, of course, which is in violation of the, of the concepts. So, but how do you bring a lawyer up to speed on the concepts? I know, that's, a, that's, I don't the thing. think, I don't think you can bring, I don't think you can bring an intergroup. No. Uh, board of directors up up to speed on the concept. So it's kind of funny. They have like Vatican lawyers. They should have like AA lawyers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, they need it because it's so so complicated. It is. Um, but no, the responsibility for all of these things goes to the goes to the general service board. Mm-hmm. That is where where the responsibility lies. It can't go anywhere else. The the concepts only only affect the general service board right they're the only ones that are 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 in line with it and have any you know it has only meaning why it's a requirement for me uh, in toronto or why it was going to be a requirement for us in toronto to follow the 12 concepts is crazy mm-hmm. not in an intergroup set you know right i mean that's absolutely part of it ridiculous and to, to force me to do something that i'm actually in the concepts and cannot be forced to do is 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 even just more ludicrous but mm-hmm. that's anyway no i don't want to get started on some of those little uh, vicious circular arguments that were happening anyway so that happens um it was in the second hearing the summary hearing gotcha uh, where where they uh they basically made a statement that it that it, it was they had the 18a exemption Mm-hmm. Um, and that there was a requirement in, in belief in God that right. to be a member of their organization, right? And um, and, and probably that's when AA went went dead silent. And couldn't uh-huh. believe it. it. It was the longest silence I ever heard in my life. What was that like? Were you on the phone with the with the parties? Yeah, it was. A, it was a. It was a conference call. The summary hearing was a conference call. Um, and so you have four parties that are online. Um, I was asked to present. I presented. Uh, then AA had their little bit, which wasn't much. They basically endorsed my position. Okay. And then Toronto Intergroup um, had their thing that, that they did their presentation, and that's when that when that was presented. Um, and AA went silent. I was absolutely stony silent. And I broke the silence. I said it's the first time I've heard of it. Wow. 
um, because it really was the first time I'd heard of it. Yeah, I couldn't believe it when I read it. Um, yeah. And is it because the the intergroup wasn't paying attention to what their lawyers were doing and their lawyers, their lawyers probably looked at all this AA material and says, Oh yeah, this is easy. Uh, this is a religion. We're going to go for the religious exemption and get out of this. And was it, was the intergroup just not paying attention or did they really believe what, what they were saying? Well, I have to tell you, um, I, I, I would like to believe, I would like to believe that it was a lawyer's decision to go that way. Okay. But I don't know that I can believe that. And I'll tell you why I don't know that I can believe that. Uh, I, of course, I'll never know the exact truth. But the second um, response that came with the new lawyer, remember, this lawyer was uh, was no longer with the case after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they then hired another lawyer um, from a much larger firm and um, brought up to speed. And in their response um, to the to that first judgment or that first ruling um again they extended the uh the uh, the 18a exemption mm-hmm. as their fifth primary point of argument the you know the be all end all argument that will end this whole thing yeah um and so no i don't i don't think that that's necessarily um okay. i think they were getting some guidance from behind the scenes on this okay so yeah, that that's my belief. I I don't at, with absolute certainty know that, mm-hmm. but I can't imagine that that uh, it would show up at that point in that response and and uh, and, and with two lawyers independently. Okay, it just it doesn't make sense that they would do that on their own. And at that summary hearing, um, that's where they decided. That's where the tribunal heard this, I guess, and they decided, okay, he has this case has merit to proceed. That's right. Okay. What happened after that? Well, after that, um, everybody had finally on their on their forms and on the paperwork had checked the mediation boxes. Um, mine had been checked right at the beginning, mm-hmm. but they all had been checked by that point. And we're talking two years later. Wow. Everybody agreed to try mediation. Okay. And so it was all about getting people in position to mediate. Okay. And that's when I that's when I was then connected with the uh, the human rights uh, legal resource center okay uh, and uh, I found them on the internet by the way yeah yeah they're there mm-hmm. and they are they are a part of the tribunal but they're completely arm's length okay and so they help people and individuals go through the process to help navigate it they take over the the sticky stuff that requires legal mm-hmm. um, you know they, they, they would have taken this to trial mm-hmm um, and I had been in touch with them before, uh, all the way along. Uh, they may have sent me a judgment or something like that that I could refer to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was always hands off. They, uh, I think, they felt that it, I wasn't so incompetent. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so, and that's fine. So they were always in the background. And, okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, and so that's when uh, uh, Megan. Uh, I, I got to meet Megan and, mm-hmm. and got things ready, and then we moved into the mediation, and, and uh, she would prepared me for that and started. And, and of course, a half day was provided. We probably could have done it in a full day, but I don't even think we could have done it in a full day. Yeah. Um, so it, it it broke off, and then we had a pause, and then sadly, and I don't mean sad, I mean sadly, um, the trustee that was uh, representing the General Service Board and was involved. Um, who is from, you know, the Kingston area, uh, 
he was a, wasn't an area delegate at one point, but he became a trustee. He passed away mm-hmm. just before Christmas, and and it sort of left everybody a bit in a lurch. Yeah, and um, tried to figure things out for January. Um, I, but anyway, we we all we all got back on track, and we did another half day in January, and we and we solved it. Uh, it was getting a little little tedious um, in the process, mm-hmm. but we. I really didn't. Uh, this is just me talking now. Um, I did not want to go to trial. I I really didn't feel like that was going to be helpful to everybody. Right. So I I now uh, I I think this is this is my philosophy. It, and if we have a decision in a you know like there's 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 three or four parties here all talking, and we have to come to a mutual decision. I want that where everybody's on side. Yeah. And they're in agreement on it in principle, at least, right? I don't want three to outweigh the other and say that's the way it's got to be. Right. Just, it, it, then that's imposed. It, it will never fit properly. The shoes will always be uncomfortable. And so I always thought that a mediated settlement was the ideal way of going and, um, mm-hmm. and avoid that lengthy process. I thought there would be way too much, um, it wasn't the expense or the time, right. I think, that, but the embarrassment sure. that that goes along with opening up one's books and yeah. and activities, and that's on everybody's side, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think you went about this with a lot of sensitivity and care, because I know that you love Alcoholics Anonymous. and no, you, that's, yeah, I, that's why I was fighting, you know, that's why I was having this fight. I mean, you know, I had, I've had fights with my mother, mm-hmm. love her dearly always did but you know when you when there's a reason to fight it's always for their benefit right or i just become a passive aggressive i shut up and i go away you know Uh, no this is something worth saving worth doing worth fixing worth helping other people um it may not feel like it it may feel horrible but it was done lovingly Including with intergroup, you know, I right. used to be a member of intergroup years ago. So I, I just think people, and I'm talking about people, not organization. Now, people can be thick-headed and stubborn, and and all of those nasty words are things that I would actually describe of myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can all be just like me. So <laughs> it can be tedious at times, right? Yeah. So you what know. was the final settlement? How did things finally play out? Um, well, I released AA from the settlement. Okay. AA World um, Services or necessary. General Service Board. They were okay. not, they were not necessary. They had done, they'd come to the table. They did what they said they were going to do. I was happy with that. That was enough. They really had been my ally. Whether, you know, the world looks at it or not, they were the ones that endorsed my position about the religiosity that the AA is not a religious organization because mm-hmm. they're not. They don't have the objects um, or the letters patent or the uh, what's the the American term would be the um, it's an American thing mm-hmm. that's why I don't do it. Um, articles of incorporation. Oh, okay. So the article the articles or the letters patent are clearly not a religious organization. When these when these organizations were created, both of them, that was the time for them to, right. to register their intent. And, you know, that is the only time that you can do that. I think maybe you can amend them later, but they haven't been amended. 
Um, so th- this was pointless. All, all of the communication to the professional world on the part of AA uh, is all basically we're not a religious organization. We're you know it it would you know headlines never religious. Mm-hmm. You know it's it's there's stuff on every pamphlet that that goes over that all the way through everything they do. They're not religious. They endorse that position, that argument. That really was the biggest part of it because. That all of a sudden didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't yelling at the big guy. You know, I had a bigger guy behind saying, "Yeah, that's right." <laughs> you know, <laughs> it changes. It changes the weight of the argument. Uh, so they had done their thing. They hadn't been released at that point. I needed to keep them there. I could have released them earlier, I suppose, but I needed to keep them there um, for that mediation just in case because they. It, it, it just. I thought it would make it easier, and it, and I think it did. Sure. And, um, and I'm ha- I was happy to let them to uh, to release them after the mediation. Okay. Um, so that's that's all settled. The stuff with intergroup, they they um, they agreed. Well, we've made a public. There's been a statement mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. been made public. Um, there was the, the the press release was a joint thing that everybody agreed to that. That mm-hmm. was fine. So we released that on the sixth. Um, and the. The minutes of settlement were released to the intergroup group members the week prior, and they were given the extra week to uh, to be able to go back to their home groups and and talk about what had occurred and what was decided and what was settled, so that they would not be shocked on the media release day if all of a sudden a whole bunch of media popped up. They wouldn't be out of the blue. Nobody'd be shocked and surprised, and that was yeah. fine. We agreed. We agreed to that. And I see, like what, what as you mentioned earlier, the the uh, the basic settlement. When I first read it, I didn't catch this part of it. GTA Intergroup has reaffirmed that any AA group in the Greater Toronto Area that acknowledges or adopts, and I didn't catch that, the suggested twelve steps and twelve traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous can be recognized as a member of Intergroup with the right of representation on the floor of Intergroup, regardless of how their members inter- and regardless of how their members interpret and apply those steps in their own lives. Yeah. So this means that. What do they mean? What do they mean by acknowledge or adopt? Okay, I'm going to do this tongue in cheek <laughs> because sometimes you have to sort of be crystal with it. Yeah, <laughs> there is sitting in the middle of your table right now a nice, tall, cold, um, drenching, you know, perspiring glass of red Kool Aid. Mm-hmm. You can say that is a nice, refreshing glass of Kool-Aid. Others will say, "I need to drink the Kool-Aid." Ah, uh, gotcha, gotcha. And yeah. that's the difference. Yeah. So we can it, say, yes, there are twelve steps and twelve. <laughs> <laughs> that's correct. Right. Okay. They, they do it, and they they have they have since 1939. You know, yeah. they've had them, not from the beginning of AA. They were created, you know, after AA came along. Right, um, and they were amended, and so, so this is the version they have. But they've been there a long, 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 long time, and um, you know, I acknowledge that right. it's an important part of of the history of AA. Absolutely, you know, and it's gone beyond AA. It's gone into how many other fellowships? That, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's been extremely helpful. There's no there's no denying that they are important. Right. Um, each language that takes the 12 steps and, and translates it for their people and their cultures and their 
smaller community and the and the and the different linguistics. They all have different idioms from each culture throughout the world. I mean, all of these people modify them to a small degree. Sure. But we all can acknowledge that we're, that there's twelve step process. Absolutely. Um, and we can also acknowledge that they're suggestions only. Yeah. And some people will work them, and some people won't. Right. And so. There's a whole bunch of things we can ask. Now, on the other hand, you can actually go and, and embrace them and do them. I mean, I've worked the 12 steps. Mm-hmm. You know, I did that. I did it using the, as they were written, but with a, an agnostic or an atheistic point of view. And right. I, and I did that years ago. I did that, you know, 20 years ago. I mean, and there, it for me, it was helpful. And this, and if I am looking at this, there, we're also acknowledging that it seems to me that the inner group has reaffirmed that any AA group, may not adopt the suggested 12 steps because it says you can acknowledge or adopt. That would mean some groups might not adopt. That's I would right. Think. And our group is not adopting them. Right. We are absolutely acknowledging them. Exactly. You know, and we, and, 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 but, but we also, we are adopting the process. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's well, important. heck, when and you we, read the 12 steps, that our membership is, Members of Alcoholics Anonymous. There's a lot of things that we do. The whole thing is so silly too. When you read when you read the twelve steps, the altered twelve steps, the the basic actions, the basic principles are the same as the original steps. Right. You know. Yeah. That's what's so crazy about it. But anyway. Um, okay. So. Well, yeah, I can't. I can't <laughs> get into that that part of. The yeah, that's that's dogma the, for you. If 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 I if I had to say I was disappointed about anything. Mm-hmm. And this is not, and I, and you know what? I was happy, happy, happy. I really I am. Bet. But if there was any disappointment to come in is that I really wish at, at some point in this, we could have gotten a little bit better clarity. Yeah. Uh, but we just couldn't, couldn't achieve it. Um, close, but just couldn't, couldn't do it. So, so we, this is where we're at. We're at. Yeah. And, and that's, it gets us back in. It gets us voting. It gets us sharing, gets us part of yeah. the community again. Yeah. And, and in time, I am sure that we will eventually be just like every other AA group in North America outside of Toronto. And that's that the only requirement for membership is the desire to quit drinking. Mm-hmm. And that if I, we are a group if we declare that we're a group. <laughs> so do you <laughs> think that affiliated. if there is yeah. an agnostic group in Toronto, like Beyond Belief, that wants to read alternative steps, do you think that they're free to do that now without fe- fearing retribution from the inner group? Oh, I, I know that they, they can do that, and there won't be retribution. Okay. And if there is retribution, then there's a problem. Gotcha. But, but it's not, you know, that, I mean, that's that's a given. But but no, that won't have. There won't be any retribution. I can't imagine that they would want to do no go two, do that dance again. Two other things I'd like to touch on, Larry, is sure. number one, um, what do you think is going? What do you think is going to come out of this for Alcoholics Anonymous in Canada and the United States and worldwide? And also to finish up, how do you see reconciliation in Toronto? Well, let's let's go back to the first part. Um, the world is in flux and changing, and I mean we are in, in and have been for a long time in tumultuous times with, with some polarization over religious points of view and perspective. One of the things that's very clear in the United States as well as in Canada, more so in Canada, is that there's been a, a more shift to the non-God position or the secular position, mm-hmm. um, but certainly not a, a sectarian point of view. So. 
Now, I would say that the sectarian points of view are probably more firm and more firm than they have been in the, in, in recent history. But the, you know, there is the fastest growing section, um, is, is the, is non-believers or non-conforming, um, people, people, right. whatever. And in Canada, it's a, it's a much larger, I think we're hitting close to 50%. Wow. When we talk about the young, the young demo. Uh, which is important because they're they're about to start knocking on the door, mm-hmm. um, and they are actually yeah. they are knocking on the door and they're coming in there attending meetings. So I think that if we want to, as a as a as a fellowship or a community, want to be open to actually helping, you know, still suffering alcoholics, we have to look at everybody, you know, especially in Canada where we we have 150, 160 different countries that have moved here. You know, yeah. um, from all over the place, and we have to attend that. We have to be open to them. Not all will come, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Not all will stay if they do come. Um, but the point is, we have to be able to have the door open for them, mm-hmm. um, or we're just going to become old men and old women, and we're going to die <laughs> off, and there's not going to be anybody here keeping the doors open. Yeah. So this is, I hope, change that a bit, just to keep the the door open, you know, mm-hmm. took a, a, a bit of a crowbar this time, but yeah, you know, that was, that was always my aim with this. And I think that that will help. And I think, uh, having it here in Toronto, I think that the, that the tribunal system here in Ontario was probably the, the best venue, mm-hmm. uh, in North America to not bankrupt anybody going through it. Yeah, that's a, that's amazing. In the United States, this would have been billions of dollars, millions of dollars. It, 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 exactly, and that actually, believe it or not, was part of my thinking. Mm-hmm. Is this is going to be a problem? This this is here now. This is a, a a much better place to have this dealt with. Yeah, I like the system. It sounds like it's really accessible for the average citizen to just go in there and and have their case heard well the the province a long time ago moved towards uh making sure that we we had extended some rights mm-hmm. and um we feel very strongly about that in this country and in in particular in ontario um so we you know we sort of led the world with with that kind of thing tried tried to accommodate people you know sure. try to make people you know all feel welcome and all feel at home um so that it is a good system that way you know yeah there are certainly are detractors and i understand why but uh but most of the time and this is certainly a, a circumstance where it's like that it, it was it worked out very well for everybody Do you because think... at the end of the day toronto intergroup is not going to be closing its doors no, no. and and aa is not going to be no. you know significantly injured I no mean, but what about how do you think this is going to impact these intergroups that are still um, like Vancouver, right? Denver. Well, if a if a complaint gets lodged, uh, GSO has some tools that it didn't have before, right? That it can uh, exercise in terms of its communication with those organizations, and and I think that those uh, those organizations might rethink their position. Gotcha. So now GSO has experience to share. That's probably that's right. a little bit more specific um, when these um, intergroups ask these questions. Okay. I think they they've they've created some new protocols. I would think. And, yeah. Um, until something new and even more bizarre happens. Yeah. 
um, I think they'll be helpful. So that Denver might not do what Denver's doing and Vancouver, mm. which I've heard has declared itself a spiritual, that you need spiritual requirements, your group. Oh, really? <laughs> and it's, I'm trying to figure that one out. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how, to, how does a group how does a group have a you know you can't do that that's not what, right you know, I, don't know. I, I, I don't know I don't want to even go there no it's just um, it breathes and it uh, it's alive because I think that's the root of uh, of uh, spiritual is spiritus right well I think that I or in my spiru. opinion I think that this is going to open AA up make it more inclusive as you said because um, it frees people's imagination I mean the the steps aren't just stuck in time and that verbiage yeah. from the Oxford group the steps are what you how how you as an individual interpret them to be and i think and i think that gosh if aa was really smart they they would allow i mean they do this already with any organization you step but they would allow within alcoholics anonymous they would encourage it for members and groups if they want to to write the steps however they want to do it because the steps are not the words mm-hmm. the, 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 mm-hmm. at all um they're they're once no, you yeah. Yeah, the steps are what I bring to the steps. Yeah. It, it's what I bring to it that that matters. Absolutely. And it's not about it's not about the other way around. I love the steps because they are so rich and 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 like you and I have a common bond in them, but we experience them differently and that that's what's so weird about it mm-hmm. is that we we have a similar process but we have different experiences with that process, I guess. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. You know what's really interesting? Just just talking about that. Um, When I take sponsees um, through the through the the steps, I mean, often they'll they want to be taken through the steps and Mm -hmm. find out what that's all about. You know, I don't tell them anything. I let them teach it to me. Yeah. And and that to me requires that they have to read it. They can ask all the questions they want, and I'll answer it the best I can. But you know. But they then have to teach them to me mm-hmm. so that they have now bought ownership of their idea about what it is that they're doing. It doesn't matter what I say. Yeah. It matters what they think and what they feel. And you know what? It's very effective. It is. In you know, fact, they got some mastery. That's what in the big book it even actually says. Um, ask yourself what the spiritual terms mean to you. Mm-hmm. That's what's important. So here's yeah. my final question for you. How, I mean, I, th- there's gotta, I, you know, I, I look forward to coming to Toronto. I've never been there. There's got to be a lot of bad feelings within the Alcoholics Anonymous community in Toronto, I imagine. How do you see things coming together? Do you see, how do you see reconciliation? Do you think it'll be an easy thing or not? Well, I'm hoping that it'll be an easy thing. Um, I, I think that there's going to be some bruised, uh, egos. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be disagreement for a long time. Uh, people like to hold grudges because grudges feel good. They're very Resentment sad, is a number one offender. <laughs> people like to be angry. Yeah, they do. And this too shall pass. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, well. so that's my thought. That's my thought on it. And then uh, one day it will be feel like it was 1950 ago when that happened. Exactly. You know? Well, I tell and you, I it's amazing. Know, I don't know when that'll be. <laughs> 
I think that I think that this is really an important moment in AA history, and it's something that you know people will be looking back on as a, as a seminal moment where things kind of changed. Um, and you know, I think that there's a future for Alcoholics Anonymous, and and um, I think it's great. So thank you, Larry, for your courage and your persistence in doing what was right. Well. Well, you're more than welcome for that, but you know, I I, I did do it for selfish reasons too. <laughs> um, I have children and I have family. Yeah, and and most of them need the do well, may need the doors opened for them. Yeah, and um, I I actually take from from the uh, from Hillel, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if not if not if not you who, and if not now when. Um, these are thoughts, and I was the person standing there when those questions had to be asked, and I, and the answer was, I guess that's me, <laughs> rats. <laughs> so, well, that's but great. It, it was it was worth it for my children. Well, thank you. Anyway, good thank good you. talking to you, yeah. John. Thanks for inviting me to uh, to give give you a call and a shout today. Oh, uh, it was wonderful for you to do that. I know you've been really busy, and thank you very very much. More than welcome. And I'm looking forward to seeing you at the next conference. Okay. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back soon enough with another episode for your listening pleasure. Until then, don't drink, go to meetings, and help others.